This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello and welcome to Series 3 of The Great Indoors. We're still the podcast that tells you absolutely everything you need to know about interiors and reveals exactly how to make it all actually work for you in your own home. We'd like to say a huge thank you to DFS for sponsoring the third series of the Great Indoors podcast. DFS is the UK's largest sofa retailer and is celebrating its 50th year this year, so very happy birthday from us. And I know we normally do this bit at the end of the show, but the beginning of a new series seems like the right time to take a moment and say thank you to you listeners. The fact that we are still going is entirely down to you and your enthusiasm for the show, all those lovely comments you leave us on Instagram and the fabulous reviews, which we do read, you know. And actually Mm -hmm. talking of reviews, am I allowed to be a bit of a trumpet blower and read some out? Well, go on then. (laughs) (laughs) Only if I can too. (laughs) Okay. Well, I just really love this recent one from Sarah Spark Joy, who said, so enjoying series two. Hope they do a third. You know what, Sarah? Your wish is our command. That's lucky then, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And also love this one too from Norma1523. She says, wasn't sure what listening to people talk about something so visual would be like. I tell you what, she's not alone there, is she? But it felt like a big cuddle in a very well decorated house. So there you go. I'm just so thrilled that talking about a visual medium is working so well over on the podcast. Yeah, we're loving it. And I love this one from Carmen Loretta. Listening to you while I was out walking my furry friend was like taking my friends for a stroll. I found myself chatting back, much to the amusement of others. (laughs) Oh my God, I absolutely love that. I love that. And another Another one from Jessica Rose Williams, who said, I feel like I'm sat in design school with two wonderfully eccentric professors, forever taking notes. Absolutely fabulous. So does that make me Patsy and you, Adina? Oh my gosh, you're totally Patsy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to take that, so we'll crack open the bolly for the rest of the review. But no, it's brilliant to read these reviews because it makes the point that what we've been trying to do, which is get across practical information in our own personal, some may say eccentric way, (laughs) is working. And that's been so brilliant. And lots of laughs as well along the way, which as you can tell, I particularly enjoyed. Um, (laughs) Anyway, also the other thing I'm really passionate about is I know that a lot of experts listen to this podcast, but it's really reaching out to those novices that I'm really passionate about. I mean, because at the end of the day, we all have to live somewhere and finding out how to make the best of where you live is really I think at the heart of this podcast and Kate you know you and I we know the rules and hopefully through our various disagreements we're showing people (laughs) how to break them (laughs) well and it must be working because we've had are you ready for this almost 200,000 downloads so far which is just incredible and so we are so grateful to all of you for listening yeah and that's also down to people I think giving us such fantastic rates and reviews and I I'm always plugging on about this, but please do continue to give us those five-star ratings, leave us your reviews and comments. It really does help us reach those extra essential listeners. 
and you know, any room for improvement. I mean, up for a bit of criticism, not too much. Got a sensitive ego. Yeah, gentle with that. But <laughs> if there's any way you'd like us to improve the podcast or any topics you want to talk about, seriously, we're here for you and we are all ears. And you can find us always on Instagram, other social media too, but the gram is our spiritual home. I'm Mad About the House and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. So for this series... We've got a little design refresh, haven't we, Very happening exciting. at the Great Indoors. We've asked some of our celebrity friends to come around the house and give us their expert insights on interiors. So coming up, we've got beauty expert and TV star Trini Woodhall in her Insta-famous bathroom. And we'll be taking the podcast back on the road to chat to rock and roll designer Perlo in her beautiful Somerset country house. Also coming up on the series, Maximalism versus Minimalism. Does your childhood home shape your adult tastes? And of course, we'll be reporting on the trends from Clark and Well Design Week. Coming up on this episode, we're going to be giving your homes a bit of a summer refresh. We'll be talking about plants and flowers, faux versus real, and how to make uh, them accessorise your home. We'll also be having a big discussion around the topic of art and how to pick it and hang it to make your home look fabulous. And I'm sure there'll be a few design crimes sneaking in here and there too. I bet. So, Sophie, the clocks have finally gone forward, which means the days are longer. The sun is coming in <laughs> through the windows, showing up a little bit of dust yeah, here and there. Yeah, you just noticed that. My windows are looking really grubby all of a sudden, aren't they? No, I love this time of year. And also, springtime here in the UK, it is the time to be decorating, Absolutely. refreshing your home. We've got lots of bank holidays coming up in April and May. We've got the Easter break. So I know lots of people are thinking of refreshing their home this time it's of year. It's the big DIY time of year, isn't yeah. it? But it also suddenly feels... It's around this time of year when I start looking at those winter clothes and going, I'd rather be cold in lighter clothes than having to wear the same old clothes I've been wearing for months and months. And I look at my house a bit the same. It's like I want to I want to lighten it up. I want to throw the windows open and the doors open and change it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like just get rid of the fug, yeah. isn't it, of the winter. The Pack winter away fug. all the woolly blankets. Yeah. And actually, that brings us into our new topic, really lovely. It's all about creating a fresher, lighter, more optimistic feel at home. And we wanted to talk about plants and flowers. And I think that they do that perfectly in terms of switching the seasons. I mean, you'll see around my house already today, I've got bowls full of daffodils and tulips on every windowsill and every surface. I struggle a bit with daffodils. With what? Because They're you don't yellow. like yellow? <laughs> I like, love a chirpy daffodil in oh, April. Oh, I like a chirpy daffodil chirping in the field. <laughs> um, and, and I like the pink tulips. I don't like a red tulip either. Oh, but lots so of pink and... I'm very fussy about you the flowers. Are, and is this a bright pink or does this have to be like a soft pink No, I'll tulip? take any colour tulip oh, except red. Um, and yellow, ofs. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do like to have flowers, it's true. I know, I just think there's something about this time of year that just wants me to fill up all my vases. I mean, I'm lucky that I live in the countryside and those daffodils that you're being so rude about are actually out of my garden because we get hundreds of them that I can afford to go and pluck Seriously, how lovely. But... Other than that, I think what's so lovely about this time of year in terms of talking about fresh flowers is they're really abundant and they're really affordable. Yeah. You know, you can go to the supermarket and grab a it's couple like a of pound a bunch, bunches. Yeah, yeah, of tulips or ranunculus or daffodils go for those real seasonal flowers. And I just think they add that essential 
pop of colour. All the colours of spring flowers as well are so bonny and bright and optimistic and perky. But what, I mean, is there, there's various theories about tulips, aren't there? Because they do droop a bit. And I've read that you can stick a pin in to stop them drooping. That can help. Is, that does can that work? Help. But actually, when they all start going over and drooping, I think that's when they look their most fabulous. They I do look good look. then. <laughs> I also read that if you put a coin in the water... What's that, that supposed keep to do? Them, I don't know, perky. keep them alive longer or something. Now, one of my tips is to go for real impact. And I somehow think it's better to buy, say, one type of flower, be they tulips or hydrangeas or whatever it is you go for in abundance and have like a nice big fat vase of them. Oh, that's Then go yes. for a cheaper bouquet that's just got a few... Because I tell you what it is about those shop-bought bouquets as well is they put a lot of greenery in there and you don't oh, get so I quite so like the stems. greenery, but there's an awful lot of sort of padding with that... Padding. That gypsophilia or baby's breath, those little white Yeah, you see, with that, with that gypsophilia, I think it can look quite dated and a bit naff in a bouquet, but if you buy loads of it on its own yeah, and just have amazing. like a big bucket full of gypsophilia, yeah. it can look really, really impactful. So I think, well, I say this with everything, don't I, Kate? More is more is more every <laughs> single time. There's nothing new there. So yeah. I go for an affordable flower and then just buy lots I of do them. love a hydrangea. And actually, I've tried to dry them but it doesn't always work. No, Sometimes they've, they've, I've dried them by accident and they've been there what, for by, weeks. By not putting water by in think, the By not putting water in them. And then other times um, they've just sort of died and they haven't dried. I don't quite know how that works. I have to say they're up there as one of my most favourite flowers because they're just so big and blousy. Well, and also we're at that time now, aren't we, where every Instagram post is wisteria. Oh, are we into wisteria season on yeah, Instagram, are we? we probably are. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, for me, living out here in the countryside, it is wonderful. I mean, the whole landscape's coming alive right now. We've got an orchard here outside the house, so all the blossoms out. It really is when nature does a big colour burst. It's lovely, isn't it's it? It's really, really, But really what lovely. about plants? I mean, I have to say, I do love flowers. Sorry to break you off, Kate, but can you hear that noise? The gentle snoring of the small pup. She's curled up right next to me in the pile of my cushions on my sofa, snoring. Just snoring gently in a little patch of sun. Very sweet. (laughs) That's a dog's life. She'll wake up in a minute and start barking. Um, I wanted to, sorry, Lucy, to disturb you. Flowers, lovely. I do love flowers, but I like something all the time. I like plants. Oh, you're more of a plant person. I like the greenery. And it's interesting because I've started to now look at rooms and feel that there's something missing if there isn't a plant in there. I think you're right, actually. And I think, again, when we're putting interior design schemes together, I think plants are a really essential element in terms of colour psychology. Greenery, the colour green, is the colour of well-being. So if you can introduce a little bit of green into all your schemes, then Mm. you're going to get that lovely feeling of well-being, that connection to nature. And it could just be a pot plant. It doesn't have to be in the cushions and the wall paint. Does it have to be a real one? This is my question, because I'm not so good at the real ones. I'm on about a 50% kill rate with real ones. You're talking fake. Well, I mean, in terms... Faux, darling, (laughs) faux. In terms of getting the colour in, doesn't matter if it's real or fake. But if you're asking me what my views are on fake plants, plastic plastic plants, Kate, is what you're talking about. Isn't uh, yeah, it? I guess I am. Dust capturing. Plastic I wash plants. my plastic plants. Do you? So how? Go on. What's your tips on washing? Your well, I've got plants? one of those watering cans with a spray thing, and I just spray at it. But I've got a very big, very real fiddle leaf fig in my kitchen, ah. which is taller than I am. And everybody thinks it's fake because but it's they real. look well. Because they think I think the thing about fake plants is that 
you can do really well if they've got big, giant sort of plasticky leaves anyway. So the yeah. cheese plant or monstera and a fiddly fig both look pretty plastic to begin with. Yeah, so you can fake tip. those quite well. I think it's difficult if you're trying to fake a fern or something more delicate. delicate. Yeah. Yeah, or something that has lots of little sprigs because actually that is just little yeah. tips of plastic. And also I have around. to say, I don't really like fake flowers. I like real flowers and fake plants. Oh, okay. There we go. Well, interestingly, looking around here, I've got loads of fake flowers. God, I've got to stop inviting you around to my house. It's just going <laughs> awful. But you haven't got any fake plants. But interesting, the re- one of the reasons why I've got silk faux flowers in my house is as a photographic stylist quite often you have to have flowers in your shot that are out of season because we're always shooting out of season we're always shooting Christmas in August and vice versa yeah so I quite often have just kept a stash to use in shoots hydrangeas are brilliant so you would say if you're buying faux flowers they must be silk yeah, no, yeah. but they are silk because the petals look better in a yeah. silk fabric rather than a tough plastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say so. Um, so I do have them dotted around. I like like I've got a couple of faux peonies as well because it's just that really big, blousy I head. I love a peony. And you can just pop one in a vase and it's not too much. Oh, I tell you a funny story. I was do, used to do a regular segment on ITVs this morning with Holly and Phil, which is, you know, the very popular daytime yeah. show here in the UK. And Philip Schofield said that he couldn't abide real plants or flowers again. He said they would, he felt... He doesn't like real ones. No, no, no real flowers, no real plants in the house, too high maintenance. But they have a cupboard, a whole cupboard dedicated him and his wife to their collection of faux flower arrangements and they bring them out depending on the time of year so they have the spring flower arrangement the summer flower arrangement the christmas flower arrangement and out they come i don't you've gone speechless haven't you I, (laughs) i have so the first point is who said they hated real greenery i've never heard that I hate real flowers. I think it's the inconvenience of it he objects to. Well, mm. yeah, um, it's obviously it's a little insight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is that idea that he has four flower arrangements. Yeah. I mean, should we people must seasons. go round and go? We still got that one there. <laughs> must still be summer. Oh look, the flowers have changed. Clocks must have gone back. Must be winter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the thing is, is, is the quality of sort of faux flower arrangements has really improved hasn't it they do look so convincing they even put resin in the vases to look like water you know oh do they yeah yeah I've seen some really good and convincing ones not cheap you can spend a couple of hundred quid quite easily on a good faux silk flower well I suppose because it's a good one I mean I don't know I think I'd rather buy a you know a a one pound Bunch of dafts from the supermarket. Yeah, I mean... Narcissi, because they're white. For me, I like real flowers because I like marking the seasons. But then I'm really lucky here. Like in autumn, it might be just like picking a few fantastic branches of autumn. I like a branch or a twig. I tell you what I don't like. I do not like real lilies. Oh, you don't like the smell smell of of them? They're quite pungent, aren't they? What those tiger lilies? That yes. And the tip there as well, which is really important with those sorts of flowers, is to cut the stamen off before you unpack them. Because that very deep, dark, browny red pollen that you get on the end of the stamen stains. I remember buying a sofa and being told, you know, if you spend extra, you can have the insurance and we guarantee to get out, you know, 99% of stains, but we're not touching lily pollen and turmeric. Ah, those are the two that were excluded the from the insurance. But yeah, That's and also you have to watch out with flowers and pets. I think lilies are poisonous to cats. I think there are various 
flowers and plants that can be. So do check because we're not going to list them all here. But some of them are dangerous if you've got pets. Lucy, close your ears and don't eat my tulips. She would so be eating the tulips, wouldn't she? She can't. No, they're one of the ones. They're one of the ones. Well, there you go. So yeah, keep your house plants and flowers out of reach of pets. Anyway, another thing I thought we could talk about around this whole topic is just this huge trend in interiors right now that doesn't seem to be going anywhere for sort of greenery generally. I mean, there's lots of botanical prints and floral prints very much in trend. That whole living wall idea where you have a whole wall covered in plants. I mean, that's not going anywhere. I love the idea of a living wall. And you can buy kits now, I think, which make it much easier to fix it onto your wall. I mean, it's quite high maintenance. And so I'm you're talking about good. inside the house, right? Inside, inside the, the house. house. Inside the house. But what I wall. keep meaning to do and have never yet managed is to create a living wall, but as a herb garden. I think that would That's be great nice to have in your kitchen. And also, actually, if you live in a flat and don't have any outside space, just to have a few pots fixed on the wall. Yeah, and, and you can. You, I think you can buy sort of herb wall racks or you could literally just set something up yourself couldn't you with some metal racks clips keep the herbs in pots or even just have a big tray on the worktop actually what I wanted to do when we moved into our house which is nearly 10 years ago now with the worktop I wanted to have a sort of box cut out of the worktop that I could fill with plants because I thought that would look really cool and my builder didn't really know what I meant but I know that Summer Payne of House Curious has that so she has a sort of dip in her worktop. House Curious the Instagram account. The Instagram account and that looks fantastic. So she's got like a trough within her worktop where she puts her Sunk into the worktop. So you don't see the pots you just see the plants growing out of the worktop. Brilliant idea I would love to do that. Talking about quirky plant ideas and Instagram come down to the woods has hung a ladder over her bath in her bathroom and used that as a method to suspend hanging pots of ferns and plants within her bathroom, which is quite a wacky idea, but it does look very effective. It looks pretty. I think it might be tricky to water it. Well you just stand in the you could just stand in the bath with your shower head <laughs> <laughs> and literally <laughs> when you finish having a bath or shower, you just Ooh, treat water your plants. Your plants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's true. It is very fashionable at the moment. But I also think we're much more aware, aren't we, of the benefits of having greenery. And there's all sorts of... So you think it's like a well-being thing as well? Well, I think it might be. You know, there's stuff about how the plants absorb the toxins given Mm. off by your computer and all that. And now we're a bit more aware of it. And clearly, if we're not going to spend any less time on screen, maybe we need to bring more plants in. News for you, Kate, though. Your your faux plants aren't going to do that for you. No, this is true. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. So, Sophie... I want to talk now a bit about hanging art pictures on the wall because I get asked this all the time. <laughs> How high do you hang them? And it's one of the design crimes must be is that so often you go into houses and things are too high on too the wall. Too high. You Always can't see too them. high. Yeah. Always too high. And also not in relationship with what else is in the room. I think people literally walk up to a wall with a nail in one hand, <laughs> a hammer in the other. And bang it in. 
Do it eye level, bang it in. Oh, there's oh, someone, someone at the door. Oh, good guard dog, Lucy. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, what? What's happening? Lucy, you're rubbish. Look at her face. Right. Oh, Lucy's gone back to sleep already. You've only just sat down again. <laughs> <laughs> she is the best country guard dog known to man. Right, so artwork hung too high. It's a real problem. So I have always understood that the best height to hang it is to roughly get the middle of the picture at about eye level. And then I always get lots of letters, letters, I'm so old fashioned, <laughs> messages and emails and electronic communication saying, oh, but I'm five foot one and I'm married to someone who's six foot two. I mean, you have to use a bit of common sense. Yeah, don't you? I, I actually think that that rule is a bit of guff, actually, that whole eye level thing. Ooh. Because I think it depends, you know, again, it depends. Well, can we just pause while I completely rewrite my book? <laughs> well, it doesn't really work as a, as a design rule. And also I think... You know, it depends what else is in the room. So, for example, I think if you're hanging art over the sofa, you can afford to go a bit lower. I think Absolutely. it's really nice to create a relationship with the furniture and the artwork. So there's a little bit of tension between the two. So you don't want too much distance, I would say, from your artwork and your console table or sideboard. You know, if you're hanging art over the bed, it depends on the size of the headboard. It's probably going to be higher than eye level, but sometimes paintings over a headboard can look really lovely. So maybe that's what we're getting to here is that, first of all, don't hang it too high. But yes, try and think about what's below it. Yeah, and I, I just think... Or near it. I think it tends to look better a bit lower than a bit higher anyway in the room. It depends on the height of your ceilings. It, it is a bit of a minefield. It yeah. depends on a lot. That's why I think sometimes... Oh, I know, these command strips. Let's give them a plug. Oh, really I had to useful. go with them. Well, so command strips are plastic hooks that come with little sticky fixers and they're a clever design because when you pull the sticky fixer away after you you want to remove the art altogether they don't mark your walls but one of the reasons why I love them is you can have a go working out where you want your artwork to be using these command That's strips true. so you're not knocking loads of holes in the walls and then if you do want something with more longevity you could always put a screw or a I don't trust them. We had a shoot at the house a couple of years ago and various pieces of art were sent over to be hung and photographed in the house. So we put these command strips on the wall and pressed on this £5,000 piece of art and <gasps> stood back to take the photograph and it fell off. No it, way. It didn't break. It was a canvas, so there was no glass oh and it didn't goodness. break. Yeah. But I've never trusted them since. So we have actually lots and lots of holes in the wall. <laughs> There is that. There yeah. is that, isn't there? I mean, they are advertised to be good enough to hang artwork long term. They also come with helpful tips on how heavy a piece of artwork you can use for the hook. Maybe that's where you went wrong because the bigger the hook and the bigger the, the command strip fixer, you can hang quite substantial pieces with them. I threw my scales out when I stopped weighing myself. I haven't got around <laughs> to weighing my artwork yet. And also you've got to make sure the walls are well prepared. So a newly decorated wall tends to do quite well with a command strip. Right. But an old flaky painty wall or actually wallpaper as well as disaster and what about the size of art because I don't think it's possible to have a piece of art that's too big for a wall mm. in that as long as you can fit it between the curtain and the window or whatever yeah, I think that's yeah. fine but I think you can also have pieces that are too small and they're just swimming in a great expanse yes, of wall. I see that quite a lot people picking artwork that is too small for the scale yeah. of the wall that they're they're putting on and what I kind of suggest to people who've got that problem is sometimes it's better to group all your artwork together yeah. and create 
little menagerie of artwork in one place rather than spread them out thinly yes. around the whole, whole So a sort wall. of mini gallery wall, but it doesn't mm. have to cover the whole wall. So a grouping of... Now, would you stick, because obviously stylists' rule at that point is always odd numbers on your shelfie. Right. So would you have to have three or five or can you have two and four? I mean, odd numbers do work really well with any kind of grouping, yeah. be those vases, candlesticks, you know, ornaments, paintings. I think, again, you this is an art not a science yeah. and the whole gallery wall thing there isn't a magic formula again why command strips are so great because you can practice yeah and see what it looks like I mean whenever I'm creating a gallery wall I'm quite a gung-ho designer I like to smash on with it <laughs> yeah, just I do I just kind of get it up there what I usually do is I get all the pictures on the floor clear the furniture make a big space on the floor arrange them on the floor take a photo of that with my phone so I can see the arrangement and then start whacking them up on the walls. Yeah. Another tip is to get some lining paper or brown parcel paper and actually cut shapes in the paper that Ooh, are the same as your artwork. That and sounds like quite can, hard work. Well, it's just you've got to take a lot more time and then actually attach those to the walls with masking tape mm. and do your arrangement that way and then hang the hooks and the artwork up and then you know it's going to be right and centered to the wall and all I mean they're quite anxiety inducing gallery walls because there are a lot of holes going in there well and you don't need a set I quite like a set of four hung in a very symmetrical oh, yeah, you, way yeah, I think that's that much looks more you, absolutely so you don't stunning. like the like the random jolliness of a gallery wall that's a little bit too free flow too hectic for you are you See, saying I'm like not that. random and jolly no you're just mm. a, no no uh, but you like something that's more considered Maybe I think I probably looking. do. We have, a, for want of a better word, a gallery wall in the hall. It's a set of pictures. So they're all from the same series and they're all in the same frame mm. and they are and arranged the on size. the wall, same size. They're arranged on the wall slightly randomly. Oh, not in a grid? They're not in a grid oh, because okay. that was going to be too difficult. Oh, um, partly. And they're going around and moving. I think the mad husband was going to assassinate <laughs> me at that point. He didn't trust the command strips. And I was like, no, no, let's have them in a grid. And, you know, it was a tense afternoon. And, um, now they're in quite a nice random pattern. Um, <laughs> I love the story behind your house. It's just fantastic. But I, yeah, I, so I suppose the jolly randomness of a gallery wall, no, maybe I don't like that. I don't have one, that's for sure. No, so I've got one up on my hallway landing because I've painted my hallway this very, very dark, deep blue. And I think you might have mentioned that. <laughs> that. It needed breaking up. I think yes. that's the thing. If you use these very, very strong saturated colours, you do need to break them yeah. up. And a big collection of pictures is a great way to do that. I think it's a great place to have it in the hallway. So we've got family photos up there, painted canvases, posters, vintage pieces. I've even got some framed needle work in there. Like it's a real... I love Jamboree. the idea of a gallery wall for that, though, for sort of, you know, telling the story of the people yeah. who live in the house. And a gallery wall works well for that because you can keep adding because yes. it is quite chaotic in it in the way it's been formed. Yes, you can keep growing it across the wall. You can keep growing yeah. it or switching it around. And you can't do that when you've committed to a grid. Yeah. Whereas a gallery wall is more of a growing thing. So that's why I think it's good to find somewhere in your home to maybe do that well the stairs is the obvious place isn't it because you it's very difficult to get them level up the stairs yeah, um, it is quite so perilous can... though the husband was literally leaning mission impossible style <laughs> <laughs> the banisters trying to get the nails in the wall we were doing the house up for christmas i thought i might lose him but, um... i also think and i think we touched on this before but just to go back to that point 
in a small space, a gallery wall is a mistake, I think, to come back to the idea of how you hang art, because it can look quite messy and chaotic. So actually, sometimes in a small room or a busy room with a lot going on, a single picture can, have can more look impact, better and have more impact than lots of tiny little things all over the wall. Well, in terms of, you know, interior design trends, as that is something we like to report on here in the podcast, I think gallery walls have been really, really popular. Yeah. And as I said, I'm a fan of them for the reason that I think they're very personal and affordable way of building up a collection mm. of artwork. But actually in terms of trends, I think they're less fashionable and designers are now using just that one wow, impactful, huge piece that really makes a statement in the room. You see, for someone like me, that's just way too much of a commitment. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, see, I like it. <laughs> so you I like, like being it. committed yeah. to the one and piece I like, you have. We've got one big picture which wasn't quite big enough to go in the alcove. And we've just hung a really small one off centre and below it. Oh, so nice. It's, and I really like it. There is, I think, to use a sort of slightly poncy designer word, a tension with that, the lamp. And, and, and the is there a juxtaposition below. going on as and well? There's definitely Kate. a juxtaposition. <laughs> the juxtaposition of the large and small. Um, but I think a lot of people would say, how do you hang a big painting next to a small one? You need a That's third one unusual, to bring it together. It? But the lamp's the third element then. Yes, I that. think it is. Yeah. And also the bottom picture is very close to the top of the chaise longue because obviously the only person who sits on the chaise longue is the cat. Yeah. And she's quite low. Um, <laughs> so I think it, it works. I think yeah. you can have fun and experiment. And if you feel comfortable with it and that's actually where I think taking a picture with your phone is a really good idea because you can then have a look at it in a photograph and, and oh, step okay. back so you like style it for the photo shoot I, I, and I think it's a really easy good way to hang art and I would often do it like that so I want to know what your thoughts are on matching your artwork to your room scheme you know as people who are obsessed with interior design and colour schemes and pulling things together, should you consider how your artwork matches or indeed complements the interior design scheme? Can you hear the blood draining from my face? <laughs> um, I've spoken to various art experts about this and the short answer is no, you shouldn't do that. And I think you can tell if you go into someone's house with all their furniture that they've perhaps bought a piece of art which they've seen in a catalogue, to coordinate with the furniture. And I I think that's wrong to do it that deliberately. That why said, is it wrong? Go on, why is That it wrong? said, you will always be drawn to colours that fit together. So if you've decorated your whole sitting room, the chances are you're going to be drawn to hang something on the wall that does go a little bit. However, if you're in the business of spending some money on a picture to hang hang on your wall and not just buying a whole series of posters, then actually that's the investment and you should buy that picture because you absolutely love it and want to look at it every single day in whichever room you put it in. And it's probably cheaper to change the cushions or the curtains to go with the art rather than buying the, buying art, the art to go with, the to go with your the furniture. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really interesting point you've touched on altogether, isn't it? It's like, why do we buy art and how do you choose a piece of art? And I think ultimately you're right. It has to be something that moves you on some yeah. level that you have some emotional connection to, whether it's a subject matter or, I mean, I have quite a lot of abstract art in, in my house because I just love the colour. And what and I was going to say, you're there very much drawn to the colours. So probably yeah. that would go in any room in your house. Yeah. And the paintings and the pictures I've chosen are within my colour palette. Mm. So just looking at the art in this living room here, they do match my cushions and my curtains and my accessories because 
I have decorated a house in the colours I love. So it's no surprise. So it's followed through the same colours. But I don't ever buy a painting and think I've got to match that. What I have done, actually, and I kind of advise people to do this on the workshops that I run, is sometimes if you've got a famous piece of artwork that you just love and you love the colours and the feeling and the mood of that painting, you can use that as a jumping off point to then do a decorate the rest of the room. But it doesn't happen yeah. The other way around is what we're saying. And I'd just like to say, we're not alone either. I got a lovely message from Anya through, um, and I really hope I'm saying your name correctly, but let's call you Anya, who got in touch with me via Instagram. And she said her design crime was matching artwork to a colour scheme. Yeah, I think so. it's true. But I also think looking around your room, these are pictures, abstract, as you say, and, and one of some beautiful flowers. I haven't seen those before. So I think, yes, they do go with your room, but they also look very clearly like original pieces of art or if they're not original, things that I haven't seen anywhere. I think for me, the problem of matching it all is when you see the same pictures from the same poster shops oh, again what, and like again and the again. Monet, the Monet lilies or something. Yes, and, and then, then it, you know, it's obvious it's a fake. But also oh, okay. some of those posters that sort of do the rounds on Instagram. That what, a bit you, of a cliche. I'll go on yeah. and out us. What, what, what? <laughs> Start offending everybody. No, again. I don't okay. want to offend which anybody. One, which one's I, Where I think, I think you just see... The same pictures again and again, and Do it you? looks like they've the been same bought to go with the room rather than that was something that actually yeah. moved somebody so much they wanted to look at it all the time. You might not have that emotional connection to every picture on your house. So there's a, you know, I've got a total, I'm just looking in my living room, a total of four pieces of artwork hung on the walls in here, all very different styles, two of which have been done by friends. I'm very lucky that lots of my friends mm. happen to be artists. And then a couple of prints. And limited edition prints are actually, I've got quite a few limited edition and that's quite a nice price point because that's something a bit more expensive than a poster. You're still supporting and buying off an artist, which I always love to do because I love supporting our creative industries, but not as eye-watering as something that's an original one-off piece. So I think to mix them all off up is good. And then I think, you know, yes, you can have that one piece or if you're lucky, two pieces that really deeply resonate and the rest tend to be a bit more of a background noise accessory to the house especially if you're doing a gallery wall they tend to be more of well, a they can't all be special they can they special. and also I think that would be you know a gallery wall of Monet and Manet and Van Gogh would perhaps you know, be a little I've, much <laughs> I've got some original you know this piece here right next to you is an original one-off piece by my best friend Sophie Abbott because I just absolutely love her and I absolutely love the colours she uses but you know upset I've got some Habitat posters I've got a couple of print that actually is from John Lewis that one over there I love that so you know I'm not I'm not an art snob I think you can mix it up and it keeps it affordable we've yes we've got a mix we've got a couple of sort of limited edition prints and things we might have saved up and bought but also actually the mad husband likes taking pictures so we've got some photographs that he's blown up to poster size and we've got quite a lot of framed magazine covers those are the gallery wall ones and there are Um, some great websites aren't there that will blow up your own photos or family photos as well Never a fan of them on a canvas, I have to say. No, not a, a fan cheap, of the big family photo. Don't put your family no. photos. I know, I'm really upset. Loads of people have a nice thing that. <laughs> or I just don't know, just photos on canvases. It's I don't know, it's a confused message, I find. It's either a painting on a canvas, isn't it, or a photo in there? I have to say, we have got one when, well, my elder son is oh, now brilliant. a... brilliant. So I've managed to get you found one. one. <laughs> no, it's not on the wall. Um 
I mean, he was 18 a month ago and it's a picture of him when he was about two and it was also a very long time ago and it was all the rage to have them then put on it canvases was, and you, on we thought rage. it was a new thing, so we did it. Yeah. Um, not so new anymore. Not so new anymore and it's not on the wall anymore, <laughs> although it is, a, it is still a picture I love. Um, so while we're on the slight design crimes of um, the artwork, what about inappropriate art? Have you, have you ever come across anybody's artwork in the home and you thought... I'm not sure I should be looking at that. Oh, no. I, do you know, I don't think I have. Well, I just remember a childhood family friend, really lovely friends of ours. They had a nude in their living room. I quite like a nude. And, Is that inappropriate? Um, do you know, she had very erect nipples. Oh, right. And I remember as quite a young teenage girl finding it really uncomfortable. Yes, I could see that. <laughs> yes. Sometimes they go, I don't know. And then there was another, another... Or you go into a house and there's your hostess splayed naked. <laughs> over a chair that someone's painted. Yes, I know what you mean. Keep it to the bedrooms, all I'm saying. I think so, yes. Maybe not in the public spaces. (laughs) Or downstairs loo can be a place to have fun with artwork. Yeah. Be a bit cheeky. But I don't know. I just don't think that should be in the family living room. Sorry, there you go. (laughs) So... Design crimes, Kate. We've already had a few, actually, this episode, I've noticed. Fake plants. Steady. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging your artwork too high. But I've got another one for you. This is turning into the episode of design crimes. Oh, it is, it is, it is. Well, you know, we're kicking off a new series and all that. So my design crime for you this episode is over-the-top and ostentatious kitchen extractor fan cooker hoods. Niche. What is it with them? It's quite niche. Do you mean the ones that look like chandeliers and yeah, just faux, what, any faux lighting? You, well, yes, totally those. Like, why would you need an extractor hood that looks like a chandelier? It just looks bizarre. But it's the cost of them as well. And I just think some of them, they're so huge. Big stainless steel chimneys, you know, really bling, really over the top. They cost thousands of pounds. And I'm like... Well, they all cost loads of money and they don't all work very well. They don't. No, they get clogged up with grease and people stop using them. And I just think that just should not be the focus of your kitchen design. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because if you've got, you know, we've got an island in our kitchen, so we have to have a cooker hood above it. So, you know, it does sort of dominate the room. I mean, we I wish we could have had one that rose up out of the worktop. Yes, but then you lose clever. a cupboard or one, we did look into having one that was recessed into the ceiling, also thousands of pounds, and also would have slightly interfered with the 15-year-old's bedroom above. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we felt on the scheme of things, child, cooker hood, suppose we better sacrifice the cooker hood. Well, here's my argument. This is going to blow your bubble. I would argue you don't even need an extractor fan in a kitchen. Well, you but, do if you've got a smoke alarm. Whoa, 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 wait. Because, for example, this is what I learned when we were doing uh, my mum's annex. So she's got an open plan kitchen, living, dining room. Yeah. So what we've done is just used a extractor fan in the wall, like you see in bathrooms and things like that. It's an icon extractor fan. What, one of, just one of those little, little sort of discreet plastic things that you... Yeah, that fits really? into the wall, that draws the air out of the room... And puts it all outside. I, I could go and rip my extractor fan off the you ceiling this evening and put one of those in. I've got a space on the wall. And that seriously works. Yes. Maybe your mother never fries a steak. I live no, in a house of no, men no, no, who no. like so steak. So the thing is, is if you can put the extractor fan next to the hob, you just need one that does 15 litres a minute. If you can't put your extractor fan near your hob, it's somewhere if else if you've got an kitchen. island, you can't. If you've got an island, for example. Then you need an extractor fan that is 30 litres per minute. And that is... 
building control standards, you have to do that actually to pass building control. But they are powerful enough to clean the air that quickly that you can grill your bacon and fry because your steak. Because I have to say, my cookerhood doesn't necessarily work as well as it should because when you have it over an island there's a, an optimum distance between the top of the hob and the bottom of the hood for it to work and we didn't want to hang it that low because then it would have sort of basically been ruin at eye level ruin yeah. the eye line so we hung it higher than that so it sort of doesn't work anyway <laughs> well there you go get rid of your cookerhood so a little a side fan. fan right well we must put all those notes on the blog because we, I'm going to need you to tell me that again where I can write it down <laughs> It's time for the summary of key points. So when we talked about plants and flowers at the top of the show, my big advice is buy lots of the same type. Then we moved on to talking about artwork. It's command strips that you want to invest in if you're going to play around with your gallery wall. And really just ditch that whole eye level nonsense and arrange your artwork to suit the room. And finally, for more information on the revolution against cookerhoods, read up the facts on our blogs. Mine is sophierobinson.co.uk and Kate can be found at madaboutthehouse.com. So that's episode one of series three in the bag. And I feel like we spent most of it saying thank you, but that's how we feel. So I don't care. Thanks again to our brilliant sponsors, DFS. Thank you also to our producer, Kate Taylor. And biggest thanks always to you for listening. Oh, I thought you were going to say thanks to me then. Oh, and <laughs> thanks, Sophie, for... Everything that everything, I Everything, darling. And we'll see you in the great indoors. <laughs> <laughs>